Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the NOMCAST, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course our fellow critics and podcasters. The NOMCAST is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts, on the socials at nomcastpod, and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise. A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every Friday, we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about... The history of the beer. What's in it. How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' One Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ladies and gentlemen... Please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Uh, that's a raccoon, yo. What, what are you doing? Feeding the raccoon? It's a trash panda. <laughs> <laughs> when the three burglars thing happens. Oh. And they're all singing the same line. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, notice, Jeb, that when they put their hats on, I'm not going to be able to see facial expressions. So that's on you, man. That's on you. Okay. Camera rolling. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Can I get an interview about uh, Betsy's wedding? No. Anything but that. Anything get lost. That? Anything but that. Get my hat. Hi, I'm Mike Butler. I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, seemed to be forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You might find your own forgotten gem. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this podcast. How's it going, English? <laughs> this is the sound of the Ford finger being shoved at Butler's face. <laughs> I literally cheered when he gave the finger in this he movie. Gave, he gave it a bunch of times. Yeah. Well, the Ford finger is so is so strong in this movie that it de- disarmed the uh, bad guy. That's how that's how great. I remember somebody. I don't remember who right now, but somebody out there was like, "When's the best instance of the Ford finger?" And I always say it's the. Uh, I'm talking about the Harrison Ford finger for people who don't understand what we're talking about. I always talk about Patriot Games because he doesn't say a thing in Patriot Games. Yeah, just he just shoves into it, but. <laughs> This might be the best because this actually disarms the bad guy. <laughs> that, so this might be the best one. Uh, we are doing the movie Witness this week. And before we get into some facts, let me tell you what Witness is about. After witnessing, wink, wink, oh. a brutal murder. That's not good. Young Amish boy Samuel and his mother, Rachel, seek protection from police. Pl- excuse me. From police officer John Book. False. Well, I like what? <laughs> they don't seek it. When Book... It should just be called when John Book, that's how you need to say his name. When John Book <laughs> uncovers evidence of police corruption involving narcotics lieutenant James McPhee, Book must take Rachel and Samuel and flee to the Amish countryside where Rachel grew up. Well, he doesn't, he, he has to because he gets shot. <laughs> there, immersed in Amish culture and tradition, John Book and Rachel begin a cautious romance. That's inaccurate. <laughs> but that is the gist, I guess, of Witness which has a runtime of 112 minutes. It's rated R, production budget of $12 million. It came out on February 8th, 1985, which surprised me that it was a February release. Well, no one knew what to do with this movie. I agreed. (laughs) Uh, Opening weekend, it did $4.5 million. Domestic 68.7 and worldwide was the same, 68.7. For 1985, that's darn good. 
Production company was Edward S. Feldman Productions, and it was distributed by Paramount Pictures. This movie was nominated for eight Academy Awards, which is another uh, when they talk about Oscar season and movies that come out right up towards the screener season and Oscar season, how that's how it's done now. But you know, this movie was done and put out in April of 85 and I got eight Academy Award nods. It won two for best writing and film editing. And this is actually Harrison Ford's first and only Academy Award nomination for acting. So, you know, this is a really good movie. <laughs> so I said it came out on the 8th It came up against these awesome films Mischief, Heaven Help Us The Falcon and the Snowman And Mrs. Sofal None of which Butler has seen The Mischief sounds familiar I've seen the I've seen parts of The Falcon and the Snowman It's with Sean Penn And I'm blanking on the other guy It's like a spy movie uh, The 15th of February, the week after you had Fast Forward, Butler's favorite, The Breakfast Club Oof. Vision Quest The Mean Season and Turk 182 um, Breakfast Club and Turk 182 are kind of Avian Vision Quest are a little kind of well, I guess Breakfast Club is obviously popular but Vision Quest and Turk 182 are probably more cult classics kind of thing mm-hmm. and in the week before February 1st you had Heavenly Bodies Tough Turf with James Spader the David Lean film A Passage to India and The Killing Fields uh, Passage to India and The Killing Fields are very 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 good movies I recommend them to anybody I don't know if I've seen Passage to India I know of it but I don't know if I've seen it this movie, Witness, is directed by Peter Weir. Uh, we have done a Peter Weir movie. It was Master and Commander, The Far mm-hmm. Side of the World. And he was nominated for an Oscar for that movie for direction. He also did Dead Poets Society and The Truman Show, which he was also nominated. He hasn't done anything since then, I noticed. I didn't uh, even realize during our last episode that was the last thing he did. He is an, of, of, he's an older man now, so. Yeah, I just don't remember reading anything that he would have True. Uh, you had a story credit for Pamela Wallace. Who right now just basically writes Hallmark movies, such as Single Santa Seeks Mrs. Claus, if you're looking to watch a Hallmark movie this holiday Probably season. Probably writes them in her sleep. Or if you already have. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'd, I'd do that Listen, in a heartbeat. I get it. I will write that in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, you had two story and screenplay credits, one for William Kelly and then the other for Earl W. Wallace. These are a writing duo. They've done a TV show uh, for episodes for Serpico, the TV show The Dukes of Hazard. They also did a movie Song of Hiawatha and the TV show Bronk. Actually, those are just two Wallaces. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for here, Butler? Credits. Okay. Right. But obviously they won an Oscar for writing this movie. So bravo. Uh, John Seal was our cinematographer. He has won an Oscar for The English Patient, and he was nominated for Rain Man and more recently Mad Max Fury Road. Maurice Jarre uh, was the composer. He has won an Oscar for Passage to India this year. Uh, he also won an Oscar for Dr. Shivago and Lawrence of Arabia. So uh, very, very good composer. Uh, edited by Tom Noble, who did Red Dawn, the original Red Dawn, not the bad remake. Reign of Fire, which is an episode we had done a while back. Mm-hmm. And the Chris O'Donnell trapped in the glacier thriller Vertical Limit. Actually, <laughs> he's not trapped. He's trying to rescue his uh, Robin Tunney, his daughter, his daughter, his sister, and uh, Bill Paxton, who's uh, killing everybody. Uh, produced by Edward S. Feldman. Uh, he did K-19 Widowmaker, the movie Near Dark, which we did, and The Golden Child. I don't want to say it's a guilty pleasure of mine because I don't think it's bad. I like it. Uh, Harrison Ford plays John Book. Uh, my credit for other well, credits for Harrison Ford are come on now, you know. So I'm not, <laughs> I, I really don't need to run through that. Kelly McGillis is Rachel, who did Top Gun, who's in Top Gun, Take Me to Better Lose Me Forever, Maverick, The Accused, and the movie Winter People. Uh, Joseph Summer as Schaefer. He was in Strange Age, an episode we did, a movie that Butler really liked. X Men: yep. The Last Stand, and The Mighty Ducks, of course. Uh, Lucas Haas as Samuel, a young Lucas Haas. He's in ID Four, Inception, and Mars Attacks. Jan Rubis, I apologize if that's wrong. It plays Eli Lap. He was in Class Action and Snow Falling on Cedars. Uh, I believe he was in The Mighty Ducks as well. I think he played. 
the guy who works at the store with the skates. You remember the Mighty Ducks movies I at all? Really? Them, yeah. Wow. I believe, I think he was in the Mighty Ducks as well. Alexander Gudinoff as Daniel Hockleitner. Maybe that's right. Or just say Daniel. He's obviously the bad guy in Die Hard, everybody. And he's that's also right. in the Money Pit. Daniel, Danny Glover as McPhee. He's in all the Lethal Weapons and hopefully the new one coming out. He's also in Silverado and Be Kind Rewind. And switch back an episode we did uh, this season. Correct. Fr- uh, we started the episode with Danny Glover. Or no. No, Switchback is um, in the middle of the season, fourth or fifth episode. You're right. But um, he's a bad guy in that, and he's a bad guy here. So some bad guy roles for Danny Glover in the beginning. Question. Yes. Answer. Something that I wrote down, because I wasn't around back then. How popular was Danny Glover prior to Lethal Weapon? Uh, I think he was well regarded. Like, he was in a movie, but like, he didn't really... Lethal Weapon was when everybody... You know, knew the name. Danny yeah, Glover. I think that gave at gave him more added cash cachet, if you will. Um, but he was still doing stuff, and he was still known. But like, Lethal Weapon was a big, big, big time role. I mean, Lethal Weapon was huge, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So they, I, I like all the Lethal Weapons. I know we're not supposed to like anything Bill Gibson does anymore, but you know, that's I separate. I, I always separate the movie. <laughs> I, but I liked Fat Man, and he was in that. I, do I, want to see I always uh, I always separate movies from listen, you can like a movie and not like the person. Those those two things can be accurate or like what he does. So I'm ex- actually excited for the Lethal Weapon <laughs> announcement. I apologize, but I'm excited. Uh, but yeah, Lethal Weapons are, are, are pretty good. All right, anyways, Brent Jennings is mm. Carter. Well, maybe the third one's not that good. Brent Jennings is Carter. He's in Moneyball. He is uh, his partner, uh, uh, John Book's partner. He's in Moneyball, which I, that's what I recognized him from. Cause I remember while I was watching this, I was like, I know him and I don't know what, who, who that yeah, is. Yeah. I had to look him up too. So, uh, but yeah, he's in Moneyball and he's in another 48 hours. Angus McInnes as Fergie. He's the guy that dies in the corn uh, silo. He's in, he's gold leader in star Wars, everybody. For anyone out there. And he's also in the judge dread movies. And then you have a couple cameos or a couple small parts. Patty LaPone plays Elaine, which is John books, um, sister. She's from Heisen State. Man, you had Viggo Mortensen, his first, his feature film debut. He turned up a role as a soldier in Henry V's Shakespeare in the Park production in New York to do this movie. It's probably a good choice. I mean, none of them are big roles and this one was on screen. Well, the note I had in here is that he had such a good experience on this that that's what kind of pushed him towards doing more films. Nice. So, which okay. is not, yeah. And he yeah. plays Moses, but I think he's Daniel's brother or Daniel's cousin. I didn't, I didn't catch it. It was like in the background, the dialogue or whatever it was. Does he have a line of dialogue? He, uh, no, but I'm uh, saying like when he introduced him, he, he's got a name. So oh, when he okay. Intro- I, he think he did it like off, off the call. Oh, this is so-and-so and you know, that kind of thing. So we have both seen this movie before, correct? Correct. All right. I've not seen it in a long time, but really. Yes. So, okay. So I'm curious what your initial reaction to it is the second time around after not seeing it for a while. It's less Amish focused than I thought. <laughs> it's less focused on him being like, oh, so in love with the Amish culture, like he's definitely got, he gets a respect for it. I don't think he's in but love with it. Yeah. yeah it, what I remember is this big, like, oh yeah, yeah. Amish, the Amish <laughs> life. Uh, I do remember how it ended, like not him. He doesn't stay with the Amish, but I did, I did think it was more like, oh yes, I love this Amish culture. It's more like he's just in there, mm-hmm. which I think I like more than how I remember it. Other than that, like the most, the most I remember of it was obviously, uh, if you take a picture of me, lady, I'm going to strangle you with the, uh, oh, yeah. camera. Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, the tourists that are coming into town. Like yeah. 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 I remember that. I remember the, um, love triangle kind of storyline to be a little bit more prominent than it actually is. Yeah. Uh, probably because, eh, I don't like it that much. So maybe that's why I remember it in the back of my mind being more, you prominent. don't, you didn't like the love triangle, like the, the stuff between Daniel 
like clearly trying to woo her favor at, at the appropriate time because because this movie starts off yeah, with, with her uh, husband's funeral. yeah with Rachel's husband's husband's funeral. He just dies. They don't really say how he does an accident. I think right or something like that. It was almost certainly before his time. Yeah, yeah. And so she's in mourning, and then you get the sense that because uh, Daniel is somebody who obviously likes her, and he's trying to. I guess I, I don't know what get her slide in some into way. those DMs, yeah. <laughs> but he, <laughs> but he, uh, like, because he's really friendly with her father. Like she says, he's like a son to him. Like so. Oh right. I think it's almost like evident that's coming. Uh, which is which is makes me laugh because at the end of the movie, when John Book's driving away, you just see Daniel walking down the hill and he's saying goodbye. But like he's clearly walking to the house. Like all right, now I it's got, my yep, turn. He got yeah. the chance. He gives him the old salute, and he's like, yep. yep. Yeah, exactly. So piece of straw in his mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, my note about Daniel in the beginning was when they get on the train and he gets onto the horse and buggy and he's going really fast alongside the train because they're surfing they're, the buggy. They're, they're traveling to the whole premises. They're going to Maryland to visit their sister or her sister or her cousin. Which you don't really know. It's her sister, but you don't really like. Is her sister an Amish or is her sister? In the, well, like they don't in the real sh- world? I don't believe... They don't really explain it. They don't, uh, Well, they tra- they're world travelers. I know the Amish travel. Oh, yeah. yeah they're yeah. not like they're... And I don't think there's... People don't, aren't shunned or anything like that. I don't know if that happens. But regardless of that. Right. So they're stopping in Philadelphia, and that's where they see the, the murder. But like he's racing alongside. And my note was like, you're trying real hard, man. You're trying real <laughs> hard there, Daniel. Just calm down. But yeah, so... I, uh, I, I don't mind the, the love triangle. I mean, I don't really think it's... I think at the end of the day, I think when you perceive the love travel to be something that was more prominent back then, I think when you watch it now, I, I think Daniel knows that he can't stay. There's no way that John Book is ever going to stay in their life because he, are, he, already, know, he already grew up in the outside world kind of thing. So I think, oh, yeah, he, yeah. I think he was moving with a confidence, whereas maybe in the beginning, like nobody trusted him. Nobody kind of liked him there. Nobody was giving him a shot. But then once he proved his, his worth at the barn raising, cause he's a carpenter and he can do what they do. Which is funny. Cause Harrison Ford in real life is a oh, carpenter. I think that, yeah. Uh, well, I don't think he's a carpenter anymore. Well, right. Do you, you really think he's working on this? Is, uh, do you really think those old? skills just go away? <laughs> do you think, do you think Harrison Ford can't use a lathe? I'm just, I'm now. Do you think he does now? Does he think he even bothers? I don't know. He's too busy <laughs> flying helicopters and, Crashing a helicopter, landing in the wrong, uh, landing in the wrong lane. <laughs> so I, I think the, to, to my point about Daniel, I think he's just somebody who's confident in the fact that he, this will pass. He will oh, yeah. leave, and this you'll is be leaving that, soon. Good, yeah. And he passes <laughs> exactly because he is just an impediment to what he's what he's going to ultimately do, which is try to curry the favor of Rachel. Rachel, yeah. When right. they're drinking lemonade on the bench, and he's just like, get this guy out of here. Although. Not to jump ahead, but the at the end of the movie when they have that scene in the meadows when she puts off she takes off her bonnet. Um, so in Amish culture, when a woman's wearing a white bonnet, means that she's married. There she's married, and she had, and Rachel had kept her white bonnet on because it was just out of some symbolism, just out of respect because she was still mourning. She takes it off and then she goes out and they have this like scene where they're outside in the in the meadow kissing and hugging and laughing and all this stuff. They Depending upon what you would note you read, it's either because they toss out the 10 pages of dialogue that they initially had written there because weird and like it or Ford was ill. So they couldn't do it. That's the two notes I get. Oh, I just read the ill thing. Yeah. But it's like. How I can't many, believe they didn't like it. Ten pages. Thing. So lot. this is the second version. This is the second time I'm hearing about him being ill on set. We had to change. It. I was like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing off camera? What are you doing here? Here, so stop eating weird food. <laughs> the octopus fresh at whatever. <laughs> I don't care. But my question to you is, do you think that they had sex? Yes, you do. I do. You, okay. So I think that's her taking off her bonnet, but only because he alludes to it um, earlier. 
when he sees her bathing, and then he leaves, and the next morning when he's a peeping tom. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I put there. <laughs> uh, you know, first I have side boob. Then I put full boob and then I put perf because I think I've only watched this on TV. So I don't remember. Were you describing scene. yourself? Though? I don't remember that scene at all uh, when I watched it because I know I watched it on TV like FX. Oh, or something yeah. Like they that. probably didn't show that. But he says the next morning at the chicken coop, he goes, if we had done something that night. We had sex. Yeah. If we, had, if we made love. Uh, he says made love because oh, he's a classy me. guy. I apologize. I apologize. That is John Book. You're talking about. <laughs> if I opened my book, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if, he says if we had made love, either I would have to stay here or you'd have to come with me. And that would have happened. Yeah. And then he just walks away. He doesn't say that's bad. He just walks away after that. So, okay. So, I mean, I guess you could take the, you could take that scene, I guess, any way you want to. It could, maybe they just, that's That's, it. that's why I take that they made yeah. love. Yeah. yeah that, that was oh, her going, I don't care. But then uh, after everything, one night. it's just kind of. So, like, if Daniel knew, like, there's force driving out. I was like, see you later. And she's like, I had sex with her. And then she drives that's, off. That's what he says when he parked the car. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> <laughs> He just drives off, and yeah. So I mean, would would I wonder if that would be okay with Daniel? But probably not. He's a, he's a he's a human being, and probably wouldn't enjoy that. But yeah, he's probably like, oh, all right. <laughs> I've already served too many horses at this point. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, John Book's present to the kid is way better than Daniel's present. Daniel's present is poorly made horse block. Oh, of oh right, and, and Harrison made- Ford's is marble like machine that keeps moving at all times. What is this devil's contraption? <laughs> My question, and I wanted to, I tried to look it up a little in terms of the Amish culture and like what is okay and what's not. When she makes the comment that buttons are vain. You know, we don't use buttons, but my my point was like, but the umbrellas are okay. The like, umbrellas, as long as it's not electric, it's fine. And I, even then, the Amish and modern Amish now use light bulbs. I'm pretty no, sure. No, so I I know that there's uh, there are concessions right, to be there, made. There, I I and I know it's but like, and they all have a phone, or at least there's at least one phone whatever. within each town. I just was curious in terms of like, okay, so you can't do buttons, but it's okay to have an umbrella. But you can do buttons. That's not an actual Amish thing. Oh, it's not? I thought it was. Nope. Okay. Plus, if you notice, they all wear buttons. Well, that's for the costumes, right? But they're clearly in focus. Even their their shirts have buttons. Well, I don't know. Well, they were also not, none of the extras were actually Amish people that were Mennonites because the Amish do not want to be photographed. Right. Although the Amish were watching. Yeah, they were because they were curious. And I read the note where like he got all the horse and buggies because uh, uh, Amish guys were coming to his house, his apartment where he was staying and making side deals. deals, But it's like, that's fine. I get that. Good for you. I mean, you know, you don't, they're not stupid. They know they can make money. So good for them. Uh, I, yeah, as long as they're not photographed, I don't know why it's like a back deal, backroom deal. Although, because they probably, I guess, the Amish didn't like the film at the end. Because I'm sure that they, yeah, whatever. They didn't like it because they didn't want the attention, right? Which I get because they had that tourists. scene with the tourists, and I'm just sitting there going, what, what? Like the guy get off. They don't like to be photographed. But maybe you can sneak one. I'm like, what? What is that? The Amish don't like to yeah, be photographed. Oh my God. But if you want to talk yeah. to one, maybe they'll talk to you. And I, the I Amish, yeah. I just and I love when he beats the crap out of the guy because and I, I like that part because that actually serves a purpose for the story in terms of finding out where he is the Schaefer and all that and McPhee right. you know they figure that out so I liked it but I, I I like that guy being all tough and then he gets socked right in the nose just like he's a big baby like uh, I, I know the Amish are non-violent but I, as soon as you put the ice cream cone on him uh, I mean I, I, I can't uh, picture any um, anybody who wouldn't just go alright we're done <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I, I do like that's obviously one of the best scenes in the film no book it's not our way 
but it's my way. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> oh, he's bleeding. Stop that bleeding. But that's also an indication that he is not, that's another, he is not meant. He's not of that world. He's not right. of that world. He's not, you know, you should know that he's not going to say. This script is actually used as a model for writing structure for aspiring screenwriters. Like I saw this, that. So yeah. many awards, so many best ofs. Yeah, this script is, this story, the storytelling, uh, the script itself is considered almost flawless, almost perfect in the terms of, how to set up a story, how to tell a story. I mean, this is a fish out of water story a little bit, right? Uh, but it's, it's, it's used in that way. Um, so it, it, just to kind of go off on the script a little bit, the first script was 182 pages and Feldman, who's the producer had a first look deal with Fox, 20th century Fox. And he offered uh, the two writers, uh, William Kelly and Earl Wallace, 25,000 for a one-year option and a rewrite. Mm-hmm. So they did that. And in then six weeks, added, right? yeah, they did that in six weeks, but plus, plus the 25 K they'd also get 250,000. If the movie got made, mm-hmm. they revised the script six weeks later, as Butler said, a Feldman submits it to Fox who an executive replies. No, Fox doesn't do rural films. Rural I love movies. that response. <laughs> we don't do rural films. Yeah. Uh-huh. You place this in LA or New York city <laughs> or I'm out. <laughs> so obviously that's how Paramount got around to it. And, or- and, but Thankfully. you know, Fox technically did uh, Star Wars and Tatooine. That's a rural. That's a rural planet. Well, what uh, that's that, rural. Whatever. Would you have liked this film? As Sylvester Stallone was the oh, lead. But so many people were up for the leads. Of well, this. he and the note is he turned down the role. They offered it to him, and he said no. And yes, I probably would actually like it. I was thinking. I think out of all the names listed there, on like what I would have liked, I think I would have liked Stallone in this because Stallone comes off as such a city kind of guy and he's from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe not from, but he lived in Philadelphia for a time. He's very Philadelphia, obviously Rocky and stuff. That's what yeah. you associate with him. That I think the movie would have worked with Stallone. You think it would have worked with anybody? No. Anybody that's a good actor. I don't think it would have worked with Burt Reynolds. He wanted it. He yeah. wanted the role. I don't think that would have worked. Well, I, I like, I do. I've always liked Burt Reynolds, um, but I've always felt like a lot of his stuff is, is Bert in a role like as exactly when, it, it, yeah. his ego might take over and he just wants to put things in there. I also uh, can't see him as with the exception of, of Boogie Nights, with the ex- which is not a coincidence that he gets nominated for that. But with the exception of his role in Boogie Nights, I didn't feel that was Burt Reynolds. I felt that was some another character, right? But I and I think we've talked about it before on the podcast that he should have he should have won in that year. I mean, I can't remember the people we had up against, but like I would have not been upset if he won. But yeah, no, I think I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I can picture Stallone in this. Um, this is Harrison. This is when, so this movie, when it came out or when Harrison Ford took it over, this is like his first film where it's not a science fiction film or a fantasy film. It's not Indiana Jones. It's actual. This is the beginning of the Harris, the summer of Ford kind of, even though February release. Oh, his, this is the beginning of like Ford movies every year kind of a thing. Well, yeah. But then like he did this and I don't know what's next, but I want to say like, you know, you had like frantic popped up and then you had, which is the, uh, Polanski film. Uh, he, then he goes off and he just starts doing a lot of uh, quote unquote adult movies. You know what I'm saying? To They're show not, that he can be. Uh, well, he can, yeah. Stuff, yeah. He's definitely larger than life. He's not somebody who can just disappear into a role. And you know what? That not every, every actor is different and every actor has strengths and weaknesses. And I don't think you'd want Harrison Ford to be like a character actor, like a Paul Giamatti or something like that. No, I think we talk about that all the time. with yeah. like different actors. Like talk about that with Denzel Washington. He's always Denzel Washington, but. 
you always want to watch him, but that you yeah. love his characters. Yes. But I'm really interested in, and in, in, it's probably already out depending on when this episode's out, but I do. Macbeth. Yes. Yeah. I really want to see his Macbeth. No, you want to see how he takes on. Oh, characters. absolutely. Like he does the characters well, but it's still always yeah. him as a character, which is fine. Yeah. We are big time. Denzel Washington fans, as most people know here. Yeah. So the original title for the script butler was called Home. I don't like that. Well, it's a reference to an Amish term of death when an Amish person dies. They're called Home. Yes, I'm sure all the people who come to see the movie would would get that reference. Yeah. The other title was Home to Witness. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> that's, that's another bad title. I understand why the marketing department was like, "Can we just call it Witness?" <laughs> Guys, <laughs> witness isn't taken. <laughs> so uh, Peter Weir has said that the murder in the bathroom. So when McPhee slices the, uh, I can't remember the actor's name, uh, but, but he's somebody, and I didn't put it right up down. But he's a uh, he's in a bunch of stuff. When he slices his throat, that it's the most violent scene he's ever done. That may be true, but that is not the most violent scene ever. No, it is very tame. Yeah, but I read that note, and I was like, what? Yeah. Hey, you show the cutting, but it's clearly just red on his neck it's not mm -hmm. like an actual cut you have no prosthetics no actual blood at that point which at that point was in movies already right i did not find the murder to be super upsetting or violent even for 1985 standards oh no when you could tell it's like he when he draws the knife over his neck you could see the blood being painted exactly on that, whatever yeah. it's 85 that's fine or it's a shot in 84 uh give me something maybe you didn't like how about that because i can just go because there's not much i don't like in this one if anything I don't think I, I think I like everything in this film, actually, Butler. I think some of the setup in Philadelphia could be done better. For example, I think it's. Uh, now I just thought of something I wanted to ask you in terms of what I didn't like, but go ahead. <laughs> I think it's very much, hey, look at this gritty city. Look, it's like French Connection, right? He's going to the bar, beating on some tables, getting a guy, whacking him against the. Oh, uh, when he the goes thing. to the Happy Valley, bar, it's yeah. like he's supposed to be a good cop. The first instance of the Ford Finger. Yeah, he's supposed to be a good cop, and he's going and he's just taking a guy and smacking him against the glass. He's not reading him his Miranda rights. He's not arresting him. He's not doing the lineup, which he does later. He's just like, oh, let me get this guy. Let me smack him against the car. Oh, it's just there to shock Rachel and, and the boy. That's it. That's all it's there for. And it's just, I didn't really buy it. I also don't think that, which you do get to know John Book as the movie goes, but I don't think you get a lot of, he's just kind of, when he gets into the scenes, he's just kind of there. You're saying that that's Ford? That's Ford's character, and that's the way it's kind of written and, and shot, or at least edited. No, I'm saying like that's Ford's acting? No, I think that's the way it's cut. I don't think that's Harrison Ford's um, fault. I think that's the way the movie is made. Right. And maybe stuff was cut, but I don't think you actually get to know anything about him or spend any time with him. Or like he's in scenes in Philadelphia, but it's not until after he wakes up, which is probably a good 30 minutes into the movie that you get... John Book as a character. Well, not that I want to jump back to the script, but the original script focused on Rachel. I did read it. And so we're asked the screenwriters to write it to focus and like with a comparison of the of pacifism and violence as seen through, seen through the eyes of John Book. So do you think that that's an instance where that rewrite really came through, where they were trying to show you, they were trying to put Book in more situations to kind of show you the difference? I think, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The beginning is very much Rachel. Um, and then it kind of shifts to book in a, maybe not a smooth transition that I, th I think they could have handled. Although I do think they did handle the, the violence and nonviolent kind of ways of thinking very well. Well, you have that scene also when, uh, John book, he, after he gets shot and they, he comes and they, they nurture him back to health. And then Samuel comes in and, and grabs the gun 
Right. And he yells at him, I never grab a loaded gun, never grab a loaded gun. He empties the gun out. And then he's still, he's like, if you want to touch it now, you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Rachel comes in she still hates that he's yeah. even touching the gun. Right. Uh, and that's the difference between, I think, even like a good man or what we consider to be a good man like John Book mm-hmm. and what the Amish consider to be a good man is complete nonviolence, no defending, um, no self-defense, no nothing. Violence begets violence. You shouldn't even think about it. You shouldn't even expect it kind of a thing. See, and here's the thing too. You're saying it out loud right now. Uh, what I like in the movie is that that is not said out loud. It, it is said in certain in one sentence, two sentences, but I like the fact that there's not a lot of dialogue, expositional dialogue dedicated to how the Amish are and how they believe. Mm, you get the monologue by grandpa there. That's, but you, ha- I'm not, you have to have it something, but it's not, right. it's not beat over your head. No, it's shown as like the boy being told and he's, but he's also telling the audience, but yes, it's not done in a way that like makes me go, uh, right. No, it's not some, he's not getting on a soapbox, so to say, and telling John book, this is how we are. This is what we, which easily could be done, especially at the end of the movie. Right. It could easily have been Harrison Ford pointing a gun and him be like, no, blah, blah, blah. And doing this five minute monologue. Right. Um, you also get, you also get a line that I like in the movie when he's telling him, he's like, you're, 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 you're good enough to fix a car. Can you help give me a hand? He's like, yeah, whatever you need. And then he's milking the cow. He's like, you've never had your hand on that big of a teat before. And he's like, no, no, you never no. had your hand on, on I've never on, had my on, hand on, on that big of a teat before. No, I teat before. He's like, not this, nothing this big. And he starts oh. laughing. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- even though they can still get that humor, you know, like, I mean, there's still Oh yeah. Well, Daniel there. makes the joke about the yeah. the testicles at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's stuff One there that. Ball is all you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, did you like. Well, actually, let me ask you this. Since we're talking about the police, Sergeant Carter, his his partner, he get him a couple of times, tells him to pull all the information because they don't want the heat, you know, the corruption in the department, right, right, pull right. all the info so they can't find me. I don't know if I like this. Do you like the fact that he dies off screen that you, that you don't, you don't see what happens that. No. Cause I think he's shown enough that he's. A, you a don't like it character. or you do like it. No, I okay. think you should see something, but I get, you want to cut it down. You want to make the movie a little yeah, shorter. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure maybe it was seen. Mm-hmm. In the original script. But you're, the implication is that. Because you do follow John Book most of the time, but you have already shown him pulling the files, him having the conversation with the other. If it was only, if the focus was only on Book, then it's like, all right, we don't see the murder because we are following Book. That's it. So do we believe, but, okay, then how about, maybe this is a better question. Do we believe that he did die in the line of fire or he, they killed him? Oh, they killed that's him. That's what dude. I'm saying. So or that's they something had we another drug know. dealer. Yeah. yeah we, that's something that maybe we should know about. I guess it's not that important enough to kind of fight on. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know they're mean? bad already. So you're just right. like, all right. Right. But yeah, he does. I think he deserved more screen time to give him, give him a death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than just going like, yeah, he died. <laughs> but I do like that that kind of also to talk about the script and, and how everything flows really well, that inciting incident incites the fight between the dude picking on the Amish. Right. Cause oh, cause he gives upset. Harrison Ford he's the state upset. of mind to yep. be upset. To go, it's it is my way yep. to punch that guy to get the bad cops there to start the the finale of the film. I think that's a really good progression of events mm-hmm. um, and really like a natural kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of maybe just skip to a random scene where a cops like that guy don't look familiar, and then all of a sudden <laughs> I don't know why I gave him southern accent. And no, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he was dressed like that with his the local rig- cop. Yeah. yeah, but like to have that kind of a thing happen more naturally is is really good because mm-hmm. that easily could have just been like oh we got to finish it up oh that guy doesn't look familiar let me let me ask the uh, cops that are mm-hmm. looking for weird guys right right I think this was a very natural very good progression that also worked toward the theme of the movie as well as the story okay 
Did you like? Yes. <laughs> I already said my one thing I don't like about the movie. Oh, oh well, well, you made the comment. <laughs> you made the comment before we got on. We got onto the cast uh, that um, you thought that. Samuel was autistic and I disagreed yes. with you there. So I don't understand where you're getting that from. He's just very, he doesn't have much emotion. His emotion is always like wide eyed staring, kind of just absorbing everything. He's just absorbing. And I get that he's a kid and I, that's the excuse you made before, but well, I got more shit because kids, kids laugh, kids cry, kids scream, kids yell. I don't care. Oh, he's Amish, man. He's, uh, he's this is his that. first experience in the city. I get that. But maybe oh, he, I get the wide eyed looking at the maybe statue he's and everything. Just that kind of kid. Maybe that he's just that kind yeah. of autistic kid, dude. I don't know. I I just don't think. I think he was way too. And even when the bad guys were coming and, and going to kill his mom, going to kill his grandpa, going to kill Book, mm -hmm. you get no emotion. He's the same stilted kind of emotionless You're talking about kid. when he comes into the house and he tells him to be quiet and then he tells him to ring the bell later like that what you mean when the ground that, yes that's, that's that whole everything now I didn't I thought that that was just he was the most a calm kid afraid. of all time he wasn't afraid he was he knew I mean maybe he was scared but he knew you know he he knew to do I, I see I don't think he's I don't I disagree I don't, with it oh, I don't think they made him I think to your be take autistic. is bad. I think maybe they just didn't know how to get the kid to act and that's what they well, did. he's young so I you're get at, that he's I mean, young but you can get kids that can act yeah and we don't like and and here's the thing we don't like precocious kids that can act <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't need the star of the movie to be the kid I I, I it's I not need his the movie. kid to show some emotion that's what I need I he need does he shows emotion Go, I I would fast forward through this movie and show you every screenshot of the of the kid and you could not tell me what scene it was in if I blurred out the so background because it would be the same look on his so face. So what you're telling me is that you didn't like this film. <laughs> <laughs> this film was great. The kid is just emotionless. This is, fine. this is Akira Kurosawa's one of his favorite films. He was cited as saying this is one of his favorite films. That's great. Are you I like telling this me film? that Kurosawa's wrong? No, I think this film's great. I just think the kid is not good. And that could not be the kid's fault. That could be the way they wanted it. But I think that it just makes him seem like he's got something going on. That's all. I, I disagree. I don't think I don't think and I think it's just him. I think that's just the way the kid was performing the role. And sure. However, saying, hey, the director was kind of guiding him to do it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. Kid, you can't steal scenes from Harrison Ford. Can you can you tone it down a little bit? A little bit more. A little bit more. Uh, Harrison, bit more. Uh, Harrison asked if you could stop overshadowing yeah. him, please. There's one scene where he's looks so emotionless out of screen door. That I just was like, is this Damien from The Omen? Like, maybe. Just, like, I was maybe like, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the gunfight in the parking garage? I love the gunfight yeah. in the parking garage. My favorite part of the fight is when the woman opens the That's elevator. That's my car. car. He's like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, the husband's like, get the guy in the elevator. Yeah, I love the husband's like, I don't care. <laughs> I love when he reaches down for his jacket too, and then the blood happens. Yeah, he's he doesn't like, realize oh, he got shot. Crap. Which is apps, which is accurate. Like you're not gonna know if you're in the heat of the battle. Yeah, the, the adrenaline. Moment. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I thought that was accurate. Well, I like that his exit wound is just as small as his entrance wound. Well, I was it, like, he also has to have the exit wound because if he doesn't, then oh, he you're going to you're gonna have the, you're going to have the Amish performing some kind of surgery. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, One part milk, three parts linseed <laughs> oil. This story was actually an original plot for an episode of Gunsmoke. So Wallace and Kelly actually worked on Gunsmoke and they wrote this for Marshall Dillon. Like this was going to be I don't I think it was Amish, but maybe maybe it was. I don't know. But like this was the original uh, plot that they had. 
So I thought that was interesting too. Like, you know, everything's recycled. Don't throw out your old plots. It's true. But also this reminded me of an episode we did for best classics ever called Angel and the Bad Man, which also is very similar in, ton- in tone and stuff like that. Yeah, but he's not a bad guy. That's like, right. John uh, Book's a good guy. But yeah. yes, it's similar that, you know. And that was Although Quakers. They were Quakers, they were Quakers yeah. yeah. They, but that was heavy. Angel the Batman had heavy on the oh, Quaker. Oh, they preach. Like they, 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 yeah. yeah. She actually reads from the the picture on the wall. This is a John Wayne movie. <laughs> he reads from the picture on the wall what Quakers believe in. I'm like, all right, I get it. You're Quakers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you're interested in what we thought about them, we check out the matinee over on bestclassicsever.com. Ooh. In the Hollywood... Canteen, canteen section. section. That's right. That's right. After we do this, we're recording another episode. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're double dipping. <laughs> so the I mentioned it before the corn silo scene Ugh. when he drowns that actor, uh, the bad guy, in corn, which is great. Did you know that they hid a scuba diving regulator of compressed air under the floor so that the actor could breathe because they really dumped corn on him, which is what I appreciate even better. It's like, yes, dump corn on him. Did you like that scene? I did because it was gross. You know, you've the corn corn scenes have been used a lot in different films. Yeah. But this one is so gross because it's not it only it doesn't just take the fact that corn's going to smother it's you. The, it uh, takes the, the dust, dust and all that yeah. kind of into account. Yeah. And just his like the mucus coming out of him. Yeah. Like. He's almost dead before he gets covered. Yeah. Like it's, it's like it's a really good oh. scene. It's a good scene, but also, do you think they're gonna reuse that corn? Oh, <laughs> uh, put the guy in it. Waste not, want not. That's, you think they come on? You know it. Yeah, that's, that's popcorn. Right. It's gonna get cooked. You're that's good. not popcorn. <laughs> I'm just it could be. Oh, actually, it's probably feed for the cows anyway, so it doesn't. It matter. It is probably feed. Yeah. Yeah. So it Which, by matter. the way, the, when I was watching the film and the guy uh, Danny Glover comes down with the shotgun, yeah, and he's right behind all the cows. I'm like, move you stupid cows! The guy's got a gun. There's yeah. There's one part where. Uh, book is pushing the cows and then he turns and one of the cows gets in his way. I'm yeah. just like, that wasn't that happened. Like that cow was really in the way. Uh, I like the way McPhee gets shot because he's just running and running and running and it's a POV. And then oh, sudden, yeah. He runs right into the shotgun blast, which I like. That, that was, yeah, that was well done. I talked about it briefly. I'll talk about it again. Uh, the Ford finger disarming the bad guy. Uh, I, I, that's a good scene, but that's also a good scene because that if you know, everybody shows up, he rings the bell and everyone shows up. All the Amish people come to help. Right. And it's like it, the whole, the whole, the whole movie is called witness. And now he is forced to do something in front of mil, uh, millions, uh, dozens of witnesses. Right. And so it's like, you know, they've, they've come to witness the strength of their, of their culture, the strength of them in numbers, the strength of all their eyes, watching him revealing the, the, you know, the evil or the truth. You're okay doing this evil in the shadows, but right. can you do it in front of a group? Yeah. Right. And I think that was, I think that was very, very well done. I like that a lot. Um, uh, I I didn't remember too much how I remembered the two deaths, the McPhee death and the um, Fergie death. I remember those two deaths, the corn silo and the shotgun blast, but I mm-hmm. forgot how it actually ended. So I was, it was nice to go back and revisit that and see that. And I liked that. I really liked that ending. Um, there is, uh, there's very, very, very little that I do not like in this film. I really like this film. I mean, has, have I not mentioned something maybe that maybe you want to bring up? Well, I just, uh, we talked about the ending a little bit, but I really liked that it ends with that kind of, because it is in a way a love story mm-hmm. and it doesn't end on your typical love story note. Right. And I think that is a a brave choice, a good choice. Right. I think that's one of the things that makes this film stand out. Probably what helped it become, you know, an Academy Award nominated film. Do you think that this film is more people who are more into 
like I always talk about when I first watched movies growing up and when I first started watching films, I always would follow the actors. I go, Oh, Harrison Ford's in this movie. I got to watch that. So-and-so's in the time. Sure, yeah. But then eventually a sh- uh, uh, there was a shift and I started following the directors and the writers and the people that were involved in making the movies. And that's who I was following. Oh, that guy wrote this movie. Let me watch this. And so do you think that this film is one of those films where people are following they're probably following Ford to the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it's a Harrison Ford film. But do you think more people who like it are more people who are of the, the interested in the ilk of like I was talking about, like the director and the storytelling aspect and the filmmaking aspect and just the idea that how we talked about that this script is something that is used as an example of how to tell a story. Do you think more of those types of people like this film rather than just more people are just like Harrison Ford films out? Let's go. Like, do you think like people came to this movie from like Star Wars and. Indiana Jones. Do you think they even like this film? I think it did an incredible amount of business. So yes, it, it only did sixty-eight million. That's, I get for a it. film like this, though, no, that's I a get lot. it. No, I know for a film like this, yes, yes. But that's what I'm asking you. I think that this film got people to watch this film and got people to like this film. And I think that sometimes, you know, we talk about how you know certain films don't get the attention. That obviously, that's the whole podcast. <laughs> don't get You're the describing attention the model here, uh, but. You know, you have a bigger actor and all of a sudden people come to it and they realize, oh, wow, I can like this type of film. And I think that you can come into this film and like it. However, I think that would people go back to it even if they like this film? I don't I don't know. You know, I just had a conversation with my brother about how, you know, films are films are bad and films are stupid. Because, <laughs> films are bad. You, know, you just don't like Marvel films because blah, 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 blah. Uh, and I'm like, I don't not like Marvel films. They're just bland. They're boring. They don't have a story. They don't have a theme. And it's like, well, this this movie's stupid because they're just boring. It's boring. Having a story is boring. Having a theme is boring. And nice. Dude, I, I like this conversation that you have with your brother. Yeah, he's he's just such a grump because we're all talking about movies during a Thanksgiving dinner kind of thing. And he's just like <laughs> sitting there like, uh. Please more and more of this. Uh, But I think that that's his opinion is, and I I kind of, I was mad at him because he's my brother. He don't like movies more like, more like I do, but whatever. But I think his opinion, the more I thought about it is the general audience's opinion for the most part. I think some movies like this made now people wouldn't watch as much. Um, because it is more focused on the Amish, Amish community, it's more focused on theme. It's not as focused on the usual, you know, cop story mentality of solving the case. The case is solved. That's not what the movie is about. You know who the bad guys are. You know where you're going. You know what's going to happen once, you know, he gets safe enough to contact the FBI. These guys are definitely going down. It's about the th- the themes. It's about the relationships. And... Hopefully this movie would get people to watch other films like that. And I think it might've, I mean, Peter Weir's career kind of took off after this and stuff like that. And you know, the script is heralded, but I I think that some movies that are like witness can inspire people. But I think nowadays, if this was made now, I don't think so. Okay. Just because of the proliferation of like Marvel and stuff like that. But back then, yes. Yeah. And not that I'll I'll jump on that a little bit. Superhero films, Marvel aside, because Marvel is its own thing. You know, how like, you know, G.I. Joe is trying to be a thing and, you know. Right. Well, back Everyone's trying to copy that. 1985, you had what? Star Wars and Indiana Jones. I'm talking now. I'm talking now. I'm saying like what you're seeing now is just is studios know where they can make the most money. And that's what they're doing. That's it. It's plain and simple. It's all about money. Those, the movies that we want or the movies that like you think that we don't miss, we miss out, they're out there. You just got to find them. But regardless of that, back to 85, just to kind of be the anti against my point. So this movie opened up its first weekend. It was number two. It was number two for the first four weekends. 
Oh, right, it opened right. up. Okay. Uh, it went to number one again, like one week after that, and then went back to two and then went back to seven because this is so from February 8th to March 17th. Those are the, those are the weekends. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five, six, six weekends. It was two or one. Do you know what the number one movie was ahead of it? No. We talked about it uh, last time. I think the last episode we had out Starman. Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. Still? Jesus Christ. This movie, <laughs> this movie's ridiculous. This movie. So I beat out Beverly Hills Cop one time and then, but like, to that point. So it was not, it was two. Um, I said it came up against uh, what it was released the week after like breakfast club. Breakfast club was a big hit. That was, that was um, President's day weekend. Breakfast club was third. It beat breakfast club. So it was like breakfast club never went over it. Never went over witness. It beat out mission in action, missing in action two when that came out. So witness was up there. Right. It only, the only time, only when it dropped off was the, the weekend of March 22nd, 1985, which was Friday, Friday the 13th, a new beginning came out and then Porky's revenge. Those two movies were one and two. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it's, it's to, to the anti to my point before in terms of, uh, it's only 68 million. Obviously it was very popular, very, very, very right. popular. So I just thought that, and this movie came out on February 8th. It didn't leave theaters until the weekend of June 14th, 16th. So that's a pretty big, that's I mean, it, yeah. exactly. Right. That's damn impressive. So I guess that's the anti to my point that I made before. So, yeah. But I think that also some movies like that get you to follow people that aren't actors as well. You know, films like Witness, the creators of Witness, the director of Witness. The that would be now. That would yeah. what they do now. But like, look at um, Shane Black. Anytime Shane Black makes a movie, people kind of follow onto it. But what are the Certain mo- people, well, what's anyway. What's the movie? Well, the movie that he they wrote The Weapon. Yeah, I get he wrote The Weapon, but now the movie that they highlight is Iron Man 3 because it's Marvel. Oh, do they highlight oh, Iron Man 3? time now. So even if he makes The Nice Guys 2 or he does another Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or he doesn't, he's doing Doc Savage or whatever that is. Right it's always going to be like from the director, from the right director of Iron Man three, because that's the big movie. That's the Marvel film. Everybody and, hates Iron Man three though. Yeah, but no, no, no. Everyone hates Iron Man two. Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, I think Iron Man three is the best of them, but yeah. Yeah. Of all of them, of all, th- of all three, of all three. Yeah. No, this is a, go to the end of the MCU podcast. No. You want to know my Marvel takes. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I don't listen to any podcast. That's right. <laughs> I do. I listen to them all. <laughs> I listen to the only podcast that matters Forgotten Cinema Podcast uh, you, That's because you edit it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm forced to So the barn scene Yes Did you like it one Yes Okay two Did you know they actually built the barn In that day That, that whole barn scene is a one day shoot I did and then they tore it down Yeah well they also built it with cranes They didn't actually build the barn Like they did it Aw boo <laughs> Yeah So um, But they, the one shot that I liked was the shot of uh, Rachel in the foreground and they had the barn in the background and they were all on the barn working. Yeah. And it was like a big wide shot. I liked that shot quite a bit. I thought that was a really nice shot. That was good. Yeah. yeah. That was really good. I also like the scene in the, um, the garage or whatever you'd call it, the wagon stable. Where the, the oh yeah, his, the car yeah, his barn da- where they're dancing. Yeah. I like yes. that scene quite a bit. So that scene was shot in the that scene was actually shot in the day. It's supposed to be at night. During in the, the movie. day, dead of summer. Dead of summer. They black out yes, all the man. windows. <laughs> it's super hot and that's why they're sweating. It's super hot in there. Sweating so much. So yeah, exactly. So that's why they're all sweating in that scene because it's just really, really hot. And I guess Peter <laughs> Weir let Harrison Ford pick his own song. Uh, to sing and dance to. Well, because it had to be something he was comfortable exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah. You had to yeah. have something, which I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you'd probably have something where it's like, you're going to do this song, you're going to do that. This is like, I need the emotion to be real. 
So pick something you really love that we can get the rights for and, and yeah. we'll do it. But this is also Harrison Ford after Star Wars and Indiana Jones. So I'm sure he could just do whatever he wanted. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Although Weir said it was his, like kind of made it like it was his. Idea. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I'm sure it was. I'm sure he, I'm sure Ford appreciated that. The, he, who, uh, a couple of things in terms of role preparation, Harrison Ford joined the Philly police department for a little bit, even and joined them on raids. I saw and, that. And I'm, I remember our note about Miami Vice, about Colin Farrell and they kind of tricked, oh, they tricked him into doing one when they did a raid, but you know they did that because they they probably didn't want to bring them on a real raid. A lot of liability issues, but I absolutely believe in 1984 oh, they no absolutely yeah. brought him on a raid. And they were like, "Yeah, hey, come on, get kick the door down, Ford, stop that guy." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he chase after him. Come on, Indiana. <laughs> uh, and then also Kelly McGillis, who plays Rachel, which we haven't talked a lot about. Maybe we should. Uh, she lived with an actual Amish widow and her seven children to just get like speech cadence down and observe the daily life. So I right, thought that was yeah. interesting. Do you like Kelly McGillis in this film? I do. Okay. I think she doesn't ham it up. She's she's understated. I don't think you could have played it as overly emotional. You could have played it as, you know, soap opera-y. And I don't I don't think she does. I think her voice I think she does a, a pretty good accent. Um, I think it takes a lot of com- it, takes, well. it takes a lot of confidence for an actor or an actress to be on screen primarily without makeup. You know what I mean? To just, oh yeah, she's, I mean, she's I not mean, all dolled She up. may have she may have makeup on, but it's just kind of like just for for film, but not like to be made up to be somebody who's quote unquote plain. And I think a lot of actors and actresses wouldn't don't want that because of quote unquote image or their agent might say. It. But it's very it's very nice that you know to see that Kelly McGillis you know was all about the role, which is great. Right. She also does a lot with very little. Yes. Um, in terms of dialogue, a lot of her scenes, she has very few lines. Uh, yes. None of them do. Yeah. John, John Book doesn't have a lot of dialogue either. It's not a dialogue heavy film, mm-hmm. um, but I think she does a lot with very little as well with what she's, what she's given in the script. The note I had here was that they were having trouble casting Rachel and uh, they, they were just going through a bunch of different people to the point where Peter, uh, Peter Ware was like, well, maybe we should just get somebody from Italy, somebody who looks beautiful, but can just look, you know, look good on screen and not say anything, that kind of thing. Right. Which I didn't get that note, but that's his note. Uh, and But then she came in and did the audition and like she nailed it. And they were like, yes, this is it's her. Yeah, I guess we're in Harrison Ford met her at the coffee shop. She worked. She was working at a coffee shop in New York. Yeah. Like waiting tables like all actors do. And they said, hey, you got the part. And so that was it was a big time. I mean, she does she this a pot of coffee on somebody's the, head. What's what the movies that I listed in her credits was like Top Gun obviously is right after this. And right. she looks completely different in Top Gun compared to this. Obviously, when you look at it, mm-hmm. The Accused, which is a really great film and winter people. And then like, she obviously had some kind of issues moving on in her career and her personal life, which kind of maybe whatever she got better. And she, she does, she doesn't do as many top, top tier movies anymore. Yeah. But that neither here nor there. She's yeah, still, she's a great, still she was still really good in this film and she's still a really good actress. So, um, but she almost had like, it was like for a hot second in terms of like a year or two where she was just like, you know, in, in good in really good films. Yeah. Right. So no, I don't think there's, there's, there's not many, uh, uh, quote unquote negatives in this film for me in terms of the acting or anything like that. I mean, I'm curious, we kind of talked about it and I'm going to ask it cause I always ask it is why we're saying it's forgotten. Um, I'm going to say, uh, cause I know it was lead it to you, but I'll start off with this. I'm going to say that I think this is forgotten because it's not Indiana Jones. It's not and maybe not forgotten in terms of people that were back then watching it. 
Mm-hmm. I'm talking now. I'm talking people right. now yep. that watch films and people now that are that their quote unquote early age films are the 90s. Uh, you know, like, you know, where they don't know, they maybe didn't go to witness because they watched the Star Wars films and the Indiana Jones films and um, all these other films that he's in. They may know about American Graffiti through, through George Lucas, but I don't think this movie is really brought up to a lot of people. The casual Harrison Ford fan or the casual movie going fan. Maybe the fan that likes storytelling, likes writing, likes directing, just is more into the filmmaking aspect. Not necessarily someone who is a filmmaker, but more is into that aspect of making the film. Sure. I think for those type of moviegoers, I think this film is not forgotten. But I think for the casual goer, I think this is a movie that maybe people just don't really, hey, let's watch Witness. You know, like that kind of thing. Like, and, and, I, and that's a shame because I think they really should watch this film because it's a really good film. And I think that's why I'm saying maybe it's forgotten. What about you? I totally agree. I don't think this is forgotten by anybody over the age of 40, but I think anybody, especially like 35 and below, mm-hmm. do have not seen Witness. Uh, you'd be hard pressed uh, to find people that have seen Witness. I think that even people that maybe even like film, like you said, they're steeped in so many 90s films yeah. um, that they don't go back even further. Like you said, at Harrison Ford, it's Indiana Jones. It's, you know, like you said, American Graffiti, if they're curious. Maybe they've seen the Jack Ryan films just because it's a series. Mm-hmm. And they've probably seen the, well, the Fugitive is 90s. Well, even both Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger are 90s as yeah, well, right? Yeah. yeah. They're not going back to anything in, he did in the 80s. They're just not. If, it's, if he's not having a whip or a blaster, it's just yeah, not happening. That's accurate. Uh, and I think that, you know. Because he does the Mosquito Coast after this and nobody, nobody goes well, no to that. Well, nobody saw to that even when it yeah, came out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Um, but I also think that... Harrison Ford becomes Amish is a tough sell to try to get anybody to watch. I get it. It's it's like, I don't know how I would convince anyone to watch this film. It's a good movie. Trust in my opinion. It's a good movie. It's guy Harrison (laughs) Ford. He goes undercover as an Amish person. Is it an action movie? He goes, no, that's true. But I love the scene at the end. Like one of my favorite scenes in the movies when the bad guys pull the car over the hill and they come back. And it's the behind the shot when they're walking towards the house with the rifle, with that's the that, That's a great shot too. Yeah. But also it's so unstill. Like, come on. What if Book's sitting there with his gun out his window? You're getting picked off one it's, by one with your shotguns. three of them. <laughs> with shotguns. A close right. You're not sniping them out a window. Yeah. He, pick he you doesn't like know that. they're coming. That's yeah. a great, that's a great look. I also don't like, uh, it's a stupid thing that I wrote in my notes, but they open the trunk and then they hastily pour out all the shotgun shells and like quickly yeah. load their well, weapons. No one says they have to be. Just because they're evil doesn't mean they have to be well-organized evil. The thing is, if they've got the drop on them, why are you spilling ammunition? Like, it's not cheap. Why are you spilling ammunition well, all over your trunk? They're clearly coming from a case of desperation because they have no rhyme or reason. Like, you can't even understand how they're going to get out of it. They're just like, let's eliminate them all and then we'll worry about it after. Right. Yeah. Because they, I mean, I, I'm surprised that they were like, we're not going to harm the boy. It's like, you're not. Yeah. When they said that and they... They don't. They let him run. Yeah, he witnessed what happened. I don't get that. Yeah, yeah. that's the whole point is he's witness. Yeah. I mean, you haven't done much to tell to convince me or to tell me that you're not that type of bad guy. But whatever. I guess maybe you are. But they would be stupid to do that. Yeah. Maybe they thought they could just scare the Amish into like, don't say anything. Keep it to yourself. That's you're right. Gonna, yeah. I got a kid too, so I'm not going to kill him. <laughs> I'm a grandpa. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> that reminded me a lot of the scenes from the X-Files film. Because so the X Files film seemed to fight the future. Yes, did a lot of focusing on the uh, the shadow government that you know 
I'm at my daughter's wedding. I'm at my daughter's oh, like, right, kids right, thing right. and the party in the background. Well, yeah. That's the thing that I think a lot of films kind of try to do to kind of like show that they're regular people just like you. Yeah, I Is guess. that shot in the office where in the background there's a picnic going on? But in the X-Files, I already knew that from when season seven's season finale, when they go, they all get burned alive. They're whole, them and their families trying to get off the earth. That's right. Well, that's afterward. Yeah. yeah but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Faceless men stick them. Oh, yeah. Wand them. All right. <laughs> all right, brother. I think we're done. Watch Witness. Where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, while you're there, check out all the other great shows that are there. They're all fantastic. Check them out. Uh, we mentioned the Marvel podcast field does, so check that out if you want well, to hear Well, I don't do any more. That's Iron over. Three, till phase five <laughs> finishes. No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, you can find us, like we said at the beginning, Apple, Google, Spotify, YouTube. Like, rate, subscribe, leave a comment. We have the lobby on Facebook, Forgotten Cinema's The Lobby, where you can talk about films. Let us know what you think of Witness. Let us know if you think our takes are wrong. Let us know if you think it's not forgotten at all. Although, if you're just talking about people that you know that are 40 or over, then you've just proved our point. Uh, and that's all I got. Ah, so ends another season. Season 11 is in the books. I don't know what month it is right now. Probably February. Uh, so we are done, right? Is this, this When does season 11 end? I don't know. It's January? Over. Who knows? So, uh, no, I think January. It's January. Right? Yeah. Is it? When, when this airs, yes. Who knows? The next season is um, February. All right. So, next season is next week. Season 12 starts. Woo! And what we're starting off with is the Sam Raimi film, A Simple Plan from 1998, starring Bill Paxton and what's his name? Sling Blade. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> I knew it. And Bridget Fonda. French fried potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's next week, A Simple Plan. Until then, uh, I am Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Good job, English. <laughs>